Our Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Isaiah. This is chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains. shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk, in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, I, um, I give you thanks, Lord, today for the gift of the church. I give you thanks, God, for um, this morning sacred space, for a holy place to be, to sit, to be still. We ask you now, Lord, for your help and for your mercy. Will you open, Lord, our hearts and minds so that we can consider holy things? We can be called, Lord, to something bigger and better and more holy than ourselves. Jesus, will you lift us up closer to where you are? Will you come, Lord? Your church and the Spirit, Lord, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, happy Advent, y'all. It feels good to be in Arkansas and be able to say that. Um, happy, happy Advent, y'all. Uh, if you don't uh, know me or this church, uh, welcome. It's good to have you with us. My name is Ashley. I am the pastor here at Christ the King, but only newly so. I came just this summer. Um, so this is my first Advent um, here with all of you. And uh, one of the things that I love about this tradition is... Um, at least for myself, I can say I'm almost 40. I'll be, um, it doesn't matter, I'm almost 40. And um, you don't care when my birthday is. As I, as I get closer to 40, and I've been doing this thing called faith for a long time, um, I was just uh, thinking this morning about the invitation in this tradition. Somehow still, it makes me feel like a beginner, you know? And that at uh, almost 40 and having been with Jesus since I was nine, there's something about that that's kind of good and nice uh, to feel every now and then. A little bit unsure and a little bit uncertain. And like we all kind of lean in and uh, try a little bit together. So all that to say, I feel very thankful to be getting to go through this Advent season with all of you. Not as um, a seasoned veteran, um, but as someone sort of stumbling into something that I feel really excited about and thankful to get to sort of stumble towards it uh, with all of you. Advent is um, one of the great gifts of this tradition for me. I didn't grow up in it. I grew up in a tradition that didn't observe the church calendar. So uh, we just went straight to Christmas, and whenever Target told us that it was Christmas time, um, it was Christmas time, or Walmart, rather, um, told us it was Christmas time, that's how you knew, you know? And then you just, like, shopped a lot and ate a lot and did all those things until it was Christmas morning. And uh, the gift of this tradition actually is uh, one of them, anyway, 
is that Advent is going to invite you into a different sort of time altogether. Um, regardless of what the world um, outside, as they say, or around us is going to say about Christmas and what it means to get ready and to prepare, Advent is going to have a slightly different message. And so for these next few weeks, these four weeks, four Sundays, leading up to Christmas Day, um, in here, I think you'll probably feel and note the kind of strangeness of things. The message is different. The tone is different. Um, we did sing... Um, you know, Gloria's this morning, but we start with O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which kind of sounds like a funeral dirge, you know, um, but the best kind. And that's the mood of Advent. It's a whole mood, as they say. Uh, the color is purple, and that's because that's our penitential color. It's a color that calls, calls us, rather, to be sober-minded, to be reflective, to be prayerful, and even when necessary, to be penitent. And all of that sort of begs the question, why? Um, why now and, and why, why do that leading up, to, leading up to Christmas? What are we preparing for? Advent, of course, comes from a Latin word, adventus, which means um, arrival. And it has interesting grammar. You can't really tell. Is it an arrival that has happened or an arrival that is still to come? And the answer to the question is yes. Christ has come. Christ is coming. That's Advent. It calls us to reflect on these two comings, the coming of Jesus at his birth when he was born. So we, you know, we spend time thinking about reflecting on what does it mean that God would like put on humanity, enter into the story, be born as a person, you know, the whole manger, all of it. We think about it. We reflect on it. You'll read about it if you're reading through Advent. But then you'll notice the gospel reading this morning, that is not exactly a, you know, warm and fuzzy, festive Christmas kind of reading. For those of you who grew up in the Baptist church, if there were any of you so lucky, like myself, um, I grew up hearing a text like that preached as a rapture story, which nothing was more horrifying or terrifying to a child growing up in the church than the possibility or the potential of the rapture to come at any moment. Two will be together and then one of them will be disappeared, will be gone, vanished. Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> it's horrifying. Um, so it's interesting to me every year, it kind of makes me giggle to think about reading texts like that at Christmas time. And that's because, of course, that Advent is focused not just on the past coming of Jesus at his birth, but his future coming, his return, when he will, in fact, come again. I wish, my goodness, that we had more time to talk about the rapture. But needless to say, I hope I see things differently a bit now no less, though, sure of Christ's coming and his return. There's a kind of, like, embarrassing honesty about Advent. Advent is going to hold out in front of you this promise, Christ is coming, he will come again to judge the living and the dead, as the creed said. You believe this, yes? Advent will ask you, will call you to reflect on it. Are you sure? How it happens is another story. What it will actually look like or mean, I don't know. But I'm no less sure of his return, the hope of it, the promise of it. And Advent is going to focus our attention largely there. If you do any kind of reading in the daily office or in the devotionals that we've recommended to you, you'll hear a lot about the return of Jesus. Here's what I've been thinking about the last few days. What that means is that Advent puts me in a place, calls me to reflect on the fact, that Christ is coming, 
and therefore not here with me in the way that I wish that he was. Um, and in that way, there's a kind of, that's what I mean about the honesty of Advent. There's a brutality about the honesty of Advent. To say Christ is coming is the subtext is to say, well, then he's not here in the way that I want him to be, that I wish that he was. And we, of course, know, well, he came and he ascended into heaven and he has sent us the Holy Spirit. And of course, he is here. Advent is going to hold that out to you as well. But you can't get to the Holy Spirit, and of course he's here, and that mean anything to you until you have grappled with the fact that he's not here in the way that you wish that he was. In the same way that we are called during Lent to reflect on our own sin, to confess it, to deal with it, grapple with it, the reason that we have Lent is because we all rush to Easter morning. Yeah, he died, but, you know, all for heaven's sake. And he rose again in resurrection. We all get to go to heaven. And we just, like, fast forward past the unpleasant part of the fact that we killed him in the first place. Or in Advent, the fact that he's not here in the way that we wish that he was. Advent is going to call us to be honest, to be here, in this moment that we're in. Because if you don't acknowledge that he's not here in the way that you wish that he was, what will end up happening is that you will ignore it, or worse, you'll pretend. You'll pretend that he's here. And a part of you will know that he's not. And I really love a gutsy kind of faith and church that would call me to reflect on that. That would say, don't pretend. If he feels absent or farther from you than you wish that he was, if he's not here in the way that you want him to be, then you need to say it. You need to acknowledge it. You need to deal with it. In that way, Advent is like a good spiritual director. I don't know that any of you have ever had a spiritual director or a really good pastor or mentor, maybe even your therapist if they happen to be Christian. Someone who's going to look at you and say, so you feel more alone and lost than you wish that you did. Okay, you should, you should say that. You should name it. And now let's do something about it. Let's hope that something could be different. Let's make a change. But until you've named it and acknowledged it and dealt with it, there's no moving past it, not in an honest way. I appreciate that about Advent. It's both the honesty of the moment and the hope of what can be. Every year, I'm caught between the tension of really wanting to sing Mariah Carey, because we all do, you know? So darn catchy, so festive. How does she do it? Saw her at Macy's on Thanksgiving. Anybody else? It's like, look at her, she's still going. What will we do without her? How will Christmas come? But the fact is, Advent sounds less like Mariah Carey and more like a pregnant Mary, very pregnant, trying to walk across the desert. Less festive. I don't know if you've ever walked a, next to a pregnant woman, very pregnant, 
I've never walked through the desert with one, but I can imagine a lot of groaning, heavy breathing. Advent sounds like that and feels like that on purpose. Uh, Prepare yourselves. I'm going to talk about pregnancy for a moment. And actually, what a gift to be able, at least I hope in this space, to be able to celebrate. The fact is there's been precious two, precious few pastors, preachers, who could talk about pregnancy during Advent. Amen? I'm going to assume, by virtue of the fact that you're here, you're okay with it. I had my first son during Advent. He was born on the 15th, uh, which means I was very large and great with child, as they say, the kind way of putting it, during uh, the Advent that he was born. And um, I will never forget, as long as I live, it's become one of the like, uh, primary images for me for Advent, what it feels like. I, I remember you know, we had this giant hill in our neighborhood in Atlanta that I would walk up a lot. Um, it got increasingly hard to do. I got slower the longer that it went. And um, my neighbors would get a kick out of watching me walk up and down this hill. And there were two older women in particular in the neighborhood who used to meet in their yards in the evenings and chat. And I would pass them as I walked, and they'd always giggle at me and say things to me. And I can still hear one of them would say, Oh, look at her. She's trying to walk that baby out. Look at her go. She's trying to walk that baby out. And I was heavy, slow, and sort of lumbering along. That's what Advent is like. Uh, Pregnant women are necessarily heavy with a weight of something. They're marked by their weighting in that way. You can see it on them is what I'm saying. The kind of weighting that pregnant women do, you get to see. And it's, there's something kind of wild about it, you know? What's wilder than a pregnant human full of another human? We've gotten used to it, you know, sort of desensitized to it. But if you ever just step back and look at it, wild to be filled with that kind of waiting. Similarly, during Advent, the spirit in us is meant to kind of feel heavy, to groan with waiting, wanting and hoping for a world that's not as it should be. That's the groaning, heavy, waiting part of Advent. And at the same time, that same spirit that makes us feel that things are not as they should be is the same spirit that points us forward and says, yes, but Christ has come and Christ is coming. He will come again. And somehow you hold both of those feelings inside of you at the same time. That's Advent. The opening verse of Isaiah chapter 2 that we read says, In days to come. Those are future words. They point out at the horizon towards a future that's not in hand, past the present. Look, in other words, in days to come. Look beyond what's happening right in front of you and look past it to see something that is coming towards you. That's why we're going to be preaching from Isaiah for these next few weeks, because the whole book is that. It's the words of a prophet who is looking forward at the future, out at the horizon, at what is coming to help people better understand and make their way through the present moment, what's happening today. Do you catch that? The way that the prophets thought that you should make sense of your moment 
to better understand what's happening in your life right now, the best way to do that is to look ahead at the future. Look at the promises of God. Look at the future that you want. Look at where God is calling you. Fix your eyes there, and that will help you better make sense of or make it through the moment that you're in. Do you know where you're headed? Do you know what you've been called to? Do you know what God is doing in your life? Have you forgotten? Have you lost sight of it? Over and over, Advent is going to say, He is coming. Do you know where this story is going? Where your story and the story is headed? Don't lose sight of it, because if you do, it will have implications for today. In days to come, Isaiah says. And then he tells a vision. God's people, he says, will be marked by wisdom and by the word of the Lord. He paints a picture of a vision. They'll be wise people, and the words of God will come out of their mouths. And the results will be more peace. Weapons that were once used for warfare, like swords and spears, will be transformed into tools of peace, tools of cultivation. We won't cut anymore, we'll cultivate, the prophet says, when God comes. We'll be filled with wisdom, filled with his word, and we'll make peace. And what that says to me is this. What that means then is that when God is not here, when his, present, his presence is not with me, that I'm less wise than I'm meant to be that the words of God are not in my life and in my mouth in the way that they should be, and that I'm more prone to conflict and even violence than I would otherwise be when my life is marked by his absence rather than his presence. And so the first question then, in light of the words of the prophet, is just to ask ourselves, does that feel true? If Advent is a mood, then the first part of the mood is to say, like, you feel less wise than you should be at this point in your life. When people are around you, is what they hear the word of God? They feel that way after having been with you? Are you more prone to conflict and even violence than you would like to be? A really honest spiritual director will always ask you, is that true? Is that how you feel? And then you get to answer. And I suspect that the answer for all of us is that when Jesus is not around, yes. When he's not with me in the way that I want him to be, when my life doesn't feel marked by his presence, then yes, I don't feel like I have access to wisdom. What I end up doing is just regurgitating everything that everybody else says and trying to make it sound like it's my own thought. I feel anxious to know more than I know, to be smarter than I am, to have something to say. My Lord, everyone right now feels like they should have something to say about everything. And how is that true? And also at the same time, we're all so tired of hearing each other talk. Do you know what I mean? We all feel anxious to have something to say and to know it all. And then at the same time, we're just like, shh. Do you feel that way? 
Don't you wish? Don't you hope when you feel lost that somebody would come up to you and look you in the eyes and say, I've been praying for you. And I think this. And Advent is going to ask you, do you want that for yourself? Then how wonderful would it be if you could give that to other people? What if God came and filled you with wisdom? What if God came and brought his spirit and put his word in your mouth so that you could pray for other people and yourself? What if your life became a place and your voice became a source of the word of God in the world around you? What if your tendencies towards conflict could become an instinct towards making peace and saying you're sorry? Would you hope for that? And all God's people said, yes, yes, we would hope for that. Then Advent will say, good news, Christ is coming. He is coming. He has come. He's coming today. What if that could be true today? What does that look like, though, really? We always want to know. What does it practically mean? How do we lean into and make space, make room for Jesus during the season? I'm about to be painfully practical. And here's why. Because I would rather, I guess, err in that direction then think I had the opportunity to go through this Advent season really intentionally with all of you, and I was just more vague than I should have been. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and we missed it. So here's an exhortation that I have and an encouragement. It's not a law. You're free people. You opted in to being here this morning. You get to opt out anytime you want. But for those of you who would like to opt in to going through Advent together, and nobody should wait alone unless they have to. But if we're going to do it together, here's my recommendation. You're going to have to carve out some space. This whole season, you can see it in the art, is all about Jesus taking up actual room in a person. He takes up space. Pregnancy is about another person occupying actual space. Advent is about another person occupying actual space in your life. So we're going to have to carve out some space. Here's my recommendation. That you would spend 15 minutes reading, that you would spend five minutes being quiet, and you would spend 10 minutes praying. That's a total, math even I can do, of 30 minutes three days a week, 10 minutes, 15 minutes reading, five minutes being quiet, just being quiet, and 10 minutes praying, three days a week for the next four. Create some space, make some room. Let the Holy Spirit come. Let Jesus come. I don't know what you'll read. We have books out in the foyer on the table if you're looking for something, devotional's there. We're also going to be doing this Advent Psalm series. There's a podcast. 
You can listen to it and then be quiet and then pray. 15 minutes of reading, five minutes of being quiet, 10 minutes of praying. And I know that that may sound so simple, so benign. How could it possibly change anybody's life or world? But here's, here's the thing. And this is what I love about Advent, is that we always want something epic, do you know what I mean, to change us? This epic moment will come and it will change me and then I'll change finally. And the wonderful thing about the Christmas story is that Jesus was born in a, you know, a barn, a, a nowhere place. That's the story. When he comes, it's never as epic as we think it's going to be. <laughs> the epic part comes later. He comes in and slips in like a secret. So don't, don't discount how important, how significant that 30 minutes three times a week could be. And let's journey together and make space together. Hold out some time for him. Common prayer is our heritage as Anglicans. We have a book of common prayer. And I also think it's our gift to our neighbors and to each other. So I'd invite you to lean in with me. At the end of the season, we're going to gather in people's homes and eat food and pray together and talk about what we've learned, what we heard, what we saw in ourselves, in the Bible, what we prayed about, who we prayed for. I think we all want to be gathered around tables where we talk about and hear from God. I think we all really want that. And so if that's what you hope for, that you would find yourself at a table that God just showed up at, then let's be those people. Let's prepare. John the Baptist, Mr. Advent himself, prepare the way of the Lord. Make ready for his coming. May it be so. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us to make room, Lord, for you. Amen.